I'm Kathy Allen, MD, and I'm running against Jason Chaffetz, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomar. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the show. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. I Doubt It with Dalamore, episode 291. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore. Across from me, almost, she can see the light at the end of the proverbial tunnel. My lovely, talented, scholarly co-host, Brittany Page. I I don't think it ever ends, but yes, I... <laughs> <laughs> That's quite the inauspicious start, I, Brittany Page. I have made a lot of progress, and I scheduled my thesis defense, which is Friday, April 14th, the same day as the Google Hangout for the Patreon supporters. Oh, Wow, I'm yawning here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's uh that's a lot going on that day then. Yeah. So I'm defending my thesis, hanging out with the Patreon supporters. Before or after oh after will be the, the Google Hangout. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna be defending my thesis at ten PM at night. <laughs> that uh I'd be suspicious of that. Well, I don't know. I don't know what time things are scheduled. That's your yeah. department. Oh, okay. My department is not even paying attention. You weren't even aware there was a Google Hangout. Yeah, I wasn't. In fact, you just learned that we actually do those, even though you've been a part of them for the past several months. Anyway, (laughs) there's other good news that we've actually not been talking about, Mm -hmm. and that is the fact, it's odd that we kept the secret because we're really not, I'm not good at that for sure. I mean, I'm good at secrets, but it's such exciting news, I wanted to spill the beans early on, Mm -hmm. that you have authored an article that will be in the print version of Skeptic Magazine in this next issue, which I believe comes out in May or June. Yeah, around there. It's a quarterly magazine. So, mm-hmm. But Brittany is the lead author in an article, print version, Skeptic Magazine. Yep. With my thesis advisor, Dr. Navrick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not the lead author. You're the lead author. Well, you wrote the goddamn. We wrote thing. it together. It's part of your research. <laughs> yeah, it's part of my it, thesis. It, it but spawned from your thesis. Yeah, it was just kind of uh, something we threw in to my survey and didn't really expect to do anything with it. And then we got so many fantastic responses to the question that we decided, oh, let's do something with this. So I'm really thankful that I was able to work with him because I I went to him when we were having to decide who we were going to work with. And I said, here's my idea. This is what I want to do for my thesis. And can you help me, basically? And he does morality stuff. And, you know, I'm looking at the differences between atheists, deists, and theists on moral foundations, essentially. And yeah, some moral scenario stuff in there, too. And I uh, went to him, said, this is my idea. Can you help me? And he dug it. Yeah. And he was totally on board. So I'm really happy I found someone who accepted my idea. I think a lot of times 
you find an advisor who wants you to do something that will benefit them and they <laughs> want done. And he, he didn't do that. So yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. I think it's also great. A lot of times in these academic environments, you get a guy or a gal who will, they're just going to put their fucking name on the paper as the lead author right. when they really didn't do much. It's yeah. just their panache or their their gravitas just earns him the title. And he's been a super stand-up cat that he hasn't done that. Yeah, I I love him. I go in and I talk to him and we just have conversations for... We go over his office hour times because we're just having these <laughs> philosophical discussions and talking about religion and belief in God. And we don't agree on a lot of things, but you don't need to agree with people to have awesome conversations. So Sometimes the best conversations... Oh, for sure. ...come out of talking to fuckers you don't agree with. Yeah, especially smart fuckers you don't agree with right <laughs> so <laughs> uh for sure that's that's what happens that's the best now, my little brother's one of those guys yeah we uh, we agree on very little yeah very little yes and my little brother is it is an amazing time talking to him debating him especially yeah super difficult i I go and I want to read his Facebook. I wish I wish that he debated more on Facebook because I want to read them because it's instructive for me on <laughs> how to debate and yeah, yeah. the way to use logic. He's he's so intelligent and he just smashes people. He's when he, wrong. Oh, about he, a he's lot very of shit. wrong about everything. But it is a sight to behold. Because Not everything. In, but in the face of abject incorrectness. Yeah. He dominates in Facebook discussions. Yes. And when he's debating someone I know, I kind of have to warn them. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> this is Jesse's brother. And so don't be super mean. <laughs> and well, he could take it. What is no, he? I know he can take it, but I would just prefer not to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show. Yeah. Everybody. Yes. Uh, good times. I am tired AF. That's the new thing now. Is it? The, not it's being the tired. New thing. Not being tired. You do, That's the you, old thing. You do one video on Kendall Jenner and now you're you're <laughs> dropping the AF. What's happening right now? What is happening? I just like to be one of the cool kids, Brittany Page. Mm. It's not it's working. It's not working, it's not working out for you. Anyway, at all. let's get to the cool kids and their voicemails before we move on. With, is this wait a minute with the program are we going to start with amy schumer first no okay i want to get we have one that's kind of a a multitude of issues in the call and then we'll get to the amy schumer because it, well after this call quit jumping the goddamn gun if all this were not enough in that new interview that is not the voicemail <laughs> wolf blitzer was not calling into the show Hi, Brittany and Jesse. This is Jennifer from California, Long Beach, California, calling in. Um, I just had a bit of feedback and wanted to give my own comments to some of the things you were speaking about. The first is about Mike Pence not wanting to have dinner with the opposite sex or speaking in a social setting. I think that's hilarious, especially since, especially, especially since, um, where I work, I work with nothing but males, and we constantly go out to happy hour and to lunch. And if I was not to be around these people, I would not have a job, and I would be broke. So 
it's really crazy to think that a single woman or a married woman or any woman shouldn't be alone with a man of the opposite sex unless they're really thinking of getting it on. But I doubt that. Um, secondly, I wanted to talk about Bill O'Reilly and his terrible sexual harassment. It, I'm not even surprised at all. He looks like he would do something like that. And that is so horrible for me to say, but he just looks like a predator. He says the most horrible thing on Fox News. So, I mean, I'm sure this is something that he would be doing. P.S. That sound Jesse made about the flapping or fapping, as the English say, that was hilarious. So, that shit is so funny. Do that again if you can. How dare you encourage that? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, those are just my little tidbits into your last podcast. I'm very happy that you switched to a month because this makes it easier for me to be able to donate more. So, congrats on that. And I hope to hear three shows a week. You guys keep me busy at work. You keep me entertained, and I thank you for it. Brittany, hope we can get that drink soon. Love you, babe. Bye. Love and adulation. Yes. From the listeners for Brittany Page. Mm. They just like my stupid sounds that I make. <laughs> <laughs> and encourage you to harass me with yeah, And them. talk about a, a, a summation of what we went over last episode. Goddamn. Yeah. I mean... She she covered the the Mike Pence being an idiot. Yeah. The Bill O'Reilly being a fucking creeper. And then even got into the Patreon. Yeah. Is Jennifer looking for a new gig? Does she want to do like a wrap up show for us? <laughs> Give a little summary show? Let's focus on the third episode a, a, a week before oh. we start oh. offering gigs. Okay. To individual listeners. Okay. Well, she talked about a drink and that sounds real good. So that's all. That's all it takes. Uh, you be bribed by one drink. Yeah. Weak sauce. <laughs> Listen, uh, Mike Pence, I think we covered that last time. He, it's just ridiculous. and We're not going to cover it again. That, that's all I'm going to say about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, after we cover this next voicemail and the Amy Schumer thing that I knew, it's always the, the, the mundane shit well, that sparks the most controversy. But after the Amy Schumer shit... We will deal with the Bill O'Reilly as kind of a follow-up segment. Yeah. So, Amy Schumer. Is that where we're going now? We are. Okay. Let's play, let's play the voicemail. Okay. Then we'll read the email. Jesse then... D has a plan, everybody. I, I always. Planned AF. Have a plan. AF. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Casey from Montgomery, Alabama. I just got in listening to you guys' uh, last episode. And at the beginning, you guys were talking about female comedians. Not being funny and whatnot. Uh, so, okay. I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy. I fucking love it. Here we go. And <laughs> there are not a lot, I mean, just to go ahead and speak of I, there's not a lot of female comedians that I, I do like. Oh. Uh, some hmm. of them just aren't funny to me. Some Come on. Funny, not funny to me. Amy. Ooh. Let, him, let the voicemail continue. I'm just making noises I to know. indicate that I'm paying attention. No. I'm super interested. It is distracting. <laughs> Cannot wait for the gems. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Calm down with the interruptions over there. 
Don't make me mute your goddamn mic. I'll be like Bill O'Reilly on this side. Perfect. I've got the mixer. Yeah. I control. I'm the decider, <laughs> Brittany Page. Got it. Schumer happens to be one of them. I just don't find her funny. I used to find her funny. I used to think she was really funny when she first came out. It was fresh. It was new. thought she was really funny. And then I just kept watching. It's the same old thing over and over and over again. Repetitiveness. She's got like the Dane Cook syndrome where she's funny to some, but, you know, you either love her or you really hate her. Uh, but there are some really good female comics out there, not just, uh, and you guys mentioned Sarah Silverman and, and, and her, but there's Nikki Glaser who's really funny. Not funny. Uh, she's a comedian that talks about sex. So that's not what makes Amy Schumer not funny to me. I, I can't really pick it out. But uh, then there's Kathleen Madigan, who's hilarious. Uh, Rachel Feinstein, she's really funny. And as one girl is escaping me, she was in the Amy Schumer train wreck movie uh, in the movie theater scene. She's funny. There are female comedians that are funny. But, you know, it's just Amy Schumer's not one. She's one of the controversial figures that is very argued over. Um, it is kind of bullshit, you know, women aren't funny. That, that's kind of horseshit. But I thought I'd, you know, point that out to you guys. I think that's why people do this with female comedians. Some people just, they're not used to it yet. So they got to give it time. Um, give it time. Soon we'll be able to have these conversations and where, you know, we'll be talking about Dave Chappelle and Richard Pryor and, you know, Sarah Silverman will come up in the situation, or Kathleen Madigan will come up in the situation with like Lewis Black and such like. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna get there one day. We just not quite there yet. Um, but right, anyway, just thought I'd let you guys know that, that that's what I think about it, and uh, appreciate it. Love the show. Keep doing it. keep doing it. Can't wait to hear three a week. Everybody on the three a week track. We love it. <laughs> so now, Brittany, yeah. Casey's voicemail is over. Uh-huh. Now you can respond. Oh, but the the plan was Listen, to read the email. Are you changing I, the plan? I am the man. Oh. You are the lady. Yeah. You get told when the fuck you can speak. Got it. I am delicately. Mike, I am Mike Pence hosting the show today. Perfect. And I'm letting you know. Okay, I am not going along with that. I am so. in charge AF. I am reading this email <laughs> AF because yeah. nobody yeah. tells me what to do. <laughs> so read the email and okay. then we'll get into this. Wait, now I don't want to read it because, okay, I'm just kidding. First, let me start off by saying that I generally enjoy the podcast uh, and not the a, YouTube clips. That is not a good start. <laughs> uh, I usually agree with oh, most of the content. Worse. That you all put out and what you say seems genuine, straightforward from the heart and cogent. However, I knew there was a butt coming. <laughs> as I began listening to episode 290, I was struck by what seemed to be a bout of cognitive dissonance from both of you hmm. when referring to the conversation that you heard between the gentlemen about particular female comedians. You seem to take great umbrage with their opinions. You even went so far as to call them probably a couple of MRAs. I said that. And you somehow gleaned that from a single conversation on one topic. Is that how that works? Uh, hang on. Uh, yeah, that's how that fucking works. Okay, no, I'm, I'm not hang done. On a no, minute. I'm reading it. No, you, thanks. I mean, what exactly was that? You are the very same people who make sure to point out negative stereotypes and how conservatives sound venomous when saying the word liberal. 
yet it's natural for you to do the exact same thing without a second thought. That's weird as fuck and contradictory. AF. Your thoughts on comedy are as subjective as theirs are. Instead of engaging these men (laughs) to find out the depths of their reasoning, you opted not to dig deeper, to listen from afar and make judgments. (laughs) Do you know for a fact that they like Louis C.K. at all? Do you know that they enjoy all male comedians who make dick and sex jokes? By your own account, you didn't ask these questions. No, you just passed down judgment from your ivory tower. Ivory tower? What the fuck is happening? Now, I personally don't find Amy Schumer to be funny, but you do. And guess what? It's okay. We disagree. And it's not because she's a woman or because she makes sex jokes that I don't find her to be funny. I just don't respond to her brand of humor. Is it really your position that I must find her funny or I'm broken inside? To even imply that, which you did, is so absurd on so many levels that I cannot even begin to address them. That type of thinking is utterly vapid and you're better than that. But who the fuck am I, right? You know how many logical fallacies were employed in this goddamn email? Just a loyal listener who cannot understand how you got to where you did on this subject. Perhaps there's more to the story and time constraints wouldn't allow more toward it. At any rate, Brittany's the best part. But that shit that both of you all said sounded ridiculous. Thanks and have a great day, bitches. Uh, All right. I would uh, like to actually begin. All right. So we did not tell the full story. And what happened was we told some of this story and then we transitioned into me speaking in generalities about these types of people. Yeah. Based on the information that we had witnessed in the conversation and heard in the conversation. Right. But didn't convey because, because one, this isn't a scripted show. We didn't have a list of bullet points that we had to touch on. Right. It, like any conversation, we just kind of got moved off in a different direction and didn't get back to right. their terrible sexist shit where they started talking about all of the women's bodies. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's typically where it goes with Amy Schumer, right? She's ugly. She's fat. And she's gross. That's why people right. don't, don't think she's funny. And... And they didn't like that that uh, Sarah Silverman uses the word pussy. Yeah, that, that bothers them. That it's just uh, it's too much. It's too much. So shut the fuck up. So we didn't tell that part, which is really what drove me into the MRA label because I have met so many people that say this. Right, I don't find female comedians funny. By the way, men's rights activists in is particular, the MRA. Amy Schumer. And also, I'm going to comment on her body. Well, can I also say, I don't think Amy Schumer's stand-up is funny. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not a fan of her stand-up, but it's not because she's a woman. I think Sarah Silverman might be one of the top five funniest people on the planet, like I said last time. Right. Well, if we get into this, it's kind of <laughs> like, what what does it mean when you say that you don't, you don't find someone funny? Because I haven't watched any of Amy Schumer's stand-up, I don't think. I don't think I've seen any of it. I think I've seen clips of it. Oh, sure. Right. And I wasn't interested in really watching the whole thing, but I loved her movie Trainwreck. Every yeah. time I see her in an interview, I find her hilarious. Sure. That joke she made about how she looks like a Tanya Harding Cabbage Patch kid will make me <laughs> laugh any time. Right, right. I think that she's a funny person. I do. So, and she wrote Trainwreck, which yeah. was fucking hilarious. And even though... So I, that, she is funny. Right. So it's, what does it mean when you say she's not funny? funny i mean wh- what does that mean yeah but, but listen I, I get what they're saying 
uh, humor is subjective. Oh, it's totally subjective. However, these dick faces at the fucking bar were not being... They didn't have the measure of, well, I just don't find it funny because of like, like a deep dive into what makes funny funny. They were they were basing it on the fact, based on my judgment, my many years on this planet, my ability to read people as well as I do or as poorly as I do, based on the things that they were saying outside of the conversation. We, we, we were sitting next to them for a long time. They were being fucking jerk-offs. They weren't being, oh, I'm just, ooh, <laughs> I'm going to take a, an intellectual approach to this conversation about the cavity. <laughs> ah, no, yeah. they were fucking cunts. Well, listen, Jay is the person who wrote us this email, Jay. And I know that I was laughing while I was reading it, but I, I don't know, this reaction that was provoked... And not the only one. These are no. just the two that we're going to... Yeah. I made a joke the other day that I have on this podcast said that God is not real and people will just be like, oh yeah, Brittany, she's speaking her truth. I probably said that. I don't know if I really did. And I said, Amy Schumer is funny. And then it's this backlash of, <laughs> she's an unfunny bitch just like you. You know, I. it's very strange right. to me what happened here. Yeah. I, I, I don't get it. I, I tell you this though. I like to be challenged on the show. No, it's great. I, I like the pushback. It's great. I just, reading this was very, I don't know. We, we, we can't just, we can't speak in generalities. We need to make sure that we list out the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. It was a very strange reaction. And then if I could say a couple of things to Casey. He said that uh, it's kind of horseshit. That women aren't funny. That's kind of horseshit. Well, is it horseshit or is it is it not horseshit? Or are you not sure? Because it seemed like you weren't sure. Well, I don't know if that's really, if you're being strict about, is that vacillating? Or if it's just uh, colloquial language. Right. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd hold his feet to the fire based on that. But yeah, you know. All right, Casey, banned from the show. Not allowed to listen. Do not unsubscribe from the podcast. I don't want you listening ever again. Right. Well, <laughs> well, and people were also sending me um, Christopher Hitchens videos because I love Christopher Hitchens. Oh, yeah. That, every time. Yeah, go ahead. Goddamn. And listen, I can't defend what he said. It's <laughs> in fact, I was watching it and I could not believe what he was saying. And yeah. it's not even just that women aren't funny. The language that he was using Bull dykes to and talk about and, women and yeah. female comedian was pretty disturbing. Uh, but I love that guy and I'm not sure what he could do to make me not love him. Listen, so, having a lot of respect for a guy and most of his opinions doesn't mean that everything he says is the gospel. Oh, of course not. Of course not. Because um, Christopher Hitchens wrote an, an an essay in Vanity Fair and did a, vi a video, an interview, yeah. where he talked in depth about how women aren't funny. Right. It was shitty and stupid. Kind of a troll, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, good times, everybody. So that's what happened at the conversation. You got to trust me or not, but I was there. Brittany was there. We witnessed. We saw these dudes. We saw how they comported themselves. How they spoke. 
Yeah. How they reacted to the the waitress. How they leered at the female waitstaff. Yeah. Well, this actually, Jay's email, something like this has happened before where we have done something on the show and then someone who's listened to us for a long time reacts in a way that is, we touched a personal chord for sure. And they start believing that we are no longer reasonable people because of this one issue. Yeah. And whenever I get an email like that, I'm just very confused because I don't really get it, you know. Um, But that's what we're being accused of doing for these people, right? We overheard a conversation and we're just making a quick judgment. Right. But again, that's why I want to distinguish that we were trying to tell a little funny story, have a little funny intro for the show. (laughs) Well, we like to give the audience uh, kind of an insight into our lives, what happens in our day and you know, get to know us a little better. And it went wildly. Let me also <laughs> let me also say this. I don't know what world Jay lives in that at a bar where people have been drinking on a Saturday for a considerable amount of time. It's not really a good idea in my experience to contradict someone or ask follow-up questions of a conversation that I'm not a part of. <laughs> that tends to lead to precarious, if not dangerous, circumstances. I once had some very beautiful human beings that I knew. They were kind of my my pseudo-parents. And one time they were joking about what might happen if I got kidnapped. <laughs> And they said that the the kidnapper would just turn right back around and drop me off at home because <laughs> I would I he would try to kidnap me, put me in the car, and right. I would say, "So who'd you vote for in the last election? Where do you fall on the political spectrum?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> and start talking to him about things do I shouldn't be talking think, about. Do you think Amy Schumer is funny? Yeah. <laughs> and if not, why? But that's what when when Jay said you should have engaged them in conversation. I'm not going to talk to some drunk guys that are talking about Amy Schumer's fat ass about yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm those aren't people that I am interested in talking to. Right on. Anyway, hey, thanks for the emails, thanks for the voicemails. There were a few others but we're going to skip it because I want to get to this Bill O'Reilly stuff as follow up. We love you guys. We appreciate you even when you disagree. If you'd like to sound off and communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Or, of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. All right. So this Bill O'Reilly thing has really, it has exploded. No ejaculation joke intended. Sponsors left and right are abandoning his show. Now, they're not leaving Fox News altogether. Oh, excuse me. They're not leaving Fox News altogether. But they are leaving in droves from his program. And this, if the firestorm of this story keeps up, he might find himself out on his ass. Mercedes-Benz, Mitsubishi, Hyundai, Lexus, BMW of North America, Constant Contact, Ainsworth Pet Nutrition, Untuck It. Allstate, T. Rowe Price, GlaxoSmithKline, uh, Sanofi, Credit Karma, Wayfair, you got just what I need, True Car, I mean, Bear, Insurance, holy shit, it's a massive list. It is over 50 businesses now 
who have dropped the 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 O'Reilly factor as a venue for for advertising. Right. That's big time. It is. And not surprisingly, <laughs> he has a new ally in all of this controversy. If all this were not enough in that new interview with the New York Times, uh, the president also comes to the very strong defense of Bill O'Reilly of Fox News, who has now, uh, according to a, a long story over the weekend in the New York Times, settled several uh, sexual harassment lawsuits for many millions of dollars. Uh, let me read a, a sentence uh, from what the president said. Uh, I think he's a person I know well. He's a good person. I think he shouldn't have settled. Personally, I think he shouldn't have settled because you, you should have taken it all the way. I don't think Bill did anything wrong. You know, uh, and that's going to cause uh, a bit of an uproar, uh, shall we say, as well. You know, talk about the education of Donald Trump becoming right. president. Don't talk about Bill, Bill O'Reilly and a, and, a, and a sexual harassment suit or suits when you know nothing about the context and the content of what those suits are. Okay, it's nice that he's loyal friend. It's nice that they've known each other for years and years and he's coming as, to his defense, but he's the president of the United States. And to say that, no matter how nice he's been, is completely inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, for, for the president of the United States, Gloria, no, to say, I don't, yeah. the, I don't think Bill did right. anything Based on wrong. nothing. Yeah, based on nothing. And this is after the White House made a big showing of Women's History Month and how welcoming it was uh, to women and talking about Ivanka Trump and empowering women and economic empowering of women. And for him to come out and essentially say there's no there there uh, in terms of these women, uh, it's, it's troubling well, and he should have said no comment. I mean, I, I do think there is background here. He himself, Donald Trump, uh, uh, I mean, we all remember the Access Hollywood tape and, and the things uh, he was saying on that tape and some of the ac accusations leveled at him. So he probably should have well, just passed was, on this question. He was also loyal to Roger Ailes yeah. and giving Roger Ailes advice privately during the campaign. There's well, a sort the of former, boys will be the former leader of Fox News leader, who was removed. I mean, I am sure that the aides who were in that room uh, were not happy when he weighed in they on probably us. got physically they nauseous. Probably were, yeah. Right. <laughs> so... Bill O'Reilly, when the Hollywood Access, is it called Hollywood Access? Access Hollywood. Access Hollywood, that's right. I watch it every day, you guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when that tape came out, Bill O'Reilly on his show said that he wasn't going to play all of it because it was crude. Guy talk. Guy talk. Yeah. So Donald Trump, Bill O'Reilly, buddies who probably get together and talk about bitches they be victimizing, right? Um <laughs> This is so frustrating, especially when I think about the the victims, <laughs> the victims of Bill. Please stop, please. Oh, Jennifer. Um, Bill O'Reilly. No, Donald Trump. When I think about. I threw you off your game. Yeah, I'm imagining Bill O'Reilly. Um, no, I'm not. Uh, when Donald wow. Trump said that Bill O'Reilly did nothing wrong. I don't think Bill did anything wrong, quote unquote. The president of the United States is calling those women liars. That's right. Think about what an awkward position that is. So Dr. Wendy Walsh is one of these accusers, and she's not suing. The statute of limitations has passed, so she has no financial interest in this. That's she, right. she wanted to tell her story. I heard her on a radio show today, KFI here in LA she said that the reason that she is speaking 
is that this New York Times reporter who broke this story came to her and said, there's all these women who cannot talk because of the agreement that they made when they received their settlement. Right. And she said that when she speaks, she imagines all of them behind her with black tape over their mouths. Because of the the financial arrangement they came to. Right. As part of their settlement. So she imagines women behind her who cannot speak. Sure. And that's why she's speaking. So she's telling her story. And I was listening to her on the radio talk today. She said that she was nervous to come out. And for good reason, he's now threatening to sue her. And she said that she spoke to some older women, some younger women. She was kind of surveying the people who know her, um, asking their opinions of what they think she should do. Right. And she said she got a very different reaction from the older women versus the younger women. Oh, really? The younger women said, yes, you need to come out. This is not right. You need to tell this story. She said the older women said, well, that's not a big deal. Why would you? That happens all the time. Oh, like they're desensitized to it. Yeah. And I had that reaction when I first heard her story. I was like, okay, yeah, so he wanted to bang you. You turned him down. And then that was bad for you. That happens all the time. Yeah. And I realized my reaction is very problematic (laughs) because this is now normalized to where we hear about it and we don't think it's a problem. It's not shocking. Some people don't think it's a problem. It's not shocking because, oh, it just happens all the time. That's how things work. Well, that's not how things should work. And so through people like Dr. Wendy Walsh speaking on this issue and telling her story, which is ridiculous. At one point at the dinner, he was like, are you one of those feminists? Yeah. Good pickup line, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I said, dude, again. Um. So, <laughs> move it along, dude. Let's uh, let's get this going. Yeah. So anyway, Doctor Wendy Walsh, boss. Yeah. Not taking care of biz. Uh, pretty good though. Yeah, and this is good. Well, we'll see what happens with Bill O'Reilly. Well, listen, Bill O'Reilly's not going to sue Wendy Walsh. No, because it's just a threat. Of, because of the fact that if he takes her to court, her lawyers get to depose him. Yeah. And they get to ask all kinds of shit about his past. Yeah. Relative to the old cases. Hmm. That he didn't sign a non-disclosure agreement about. They're going to get to the bottom of some shit. He does not want any part of that. So there won't be a lawsuit. As she said as well, she has the truth on her side. So Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's awesome. Let's move on with the program. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. That is just such a beautiful Patreon drop. Who knew that we had listeners who had that kind of vocal chops? That is amazing. Beautiful voice. That was just an, a, a voicemail that was that was emailed in. Yeah. Chris, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Very much. And here is the list of new Patreon supporters. Well, listen, it it really goes to show that we are responsive to listener um, feedback. Yeah. Because you guys told us it was confusing. You wished we would go to monthly. And we did. 
And in between last episode and right now, we got like 10, 11, or 12 new patrons. Chase. I'm not going to do them one. You go ahead and then I'll do my thing. Tim, Steven, Andrew, Allie, TJ, Tony, Alejandro, Connie, MM, and Asaf. All right. Chase, Tim, <laughs> Stephen, Andrew, Allie, TJ, Tony, Alejandro, Connie, MM, and Asaf. Yes. It's Thank you. Not quite as charming. No. As when it's one or two names. Right. Although, how happy. Pretty goddamn great. Yeah, I am so thankful you guys are awesome. It was beautiful. We were very nervous to do the switch. Very, very nervous. But we're still down by about half half as many dollars. Yeah. Because there are many many patrons who haven't updated their information. Right. So we were really nervous. But we wanted to do what people were telling us would be better for them. Easier, yeah. Yeah, so we did. And we are thankful that you guys have responded so well to it. We appreciate it so much. You are the reason that we are able to do this. And we appreciate it so, so much. Yeah, so listen. If you are one of those patrons who hasn't gone into the system yet and updated your pledge from a per-episode pledge to whatever you want the, the the amount to be per month, get on the getting, um, because it has to be done by the end of the month, hopefully hopefully so- sooner. But uh, listen, either way we shake it, you guys are the best. We love you. We appreciate you. And uh, good, good things are coming. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So the absolutely unthinkable has happened in Syria. Again, happened in Syria. A chemical weapons attack perpetrated by either Russia or Bashar al-Assad killing over 60 people and wounding hundreds. A day after an alleged chemical attack by Syrian President Bashar al-Assad's regime, the victims are still struggling to breathe, quivering uncontrollably. Doctors say it's consistent with exposure to a nerve agent like sarin gas. President Trump today said the images of the victims made a deep impression on him. A chemical attack that was so horrific in Syria against innocent people, including women, small children, and even beautiful little babies. Their deaths was an affront to humanity. These heinous actions by the Assad regime cannot be tolerated. It's a big reversal. Just two days ago, the administration seemed willing to accommodate Assad. My attitude toward Syria and Assad has changed very much. And after blaming former President Obama for not taking action after drawing a red line on chemical weapons, today, that changed too. I now have responsibility and I will have that responsibility and carry it very proudly. 
But confronting Assad means challenging his biggest backer, Russia, which offered today a very different explanation for the victims, saying Assad's troops bombed a terrorist chemical weapons depot. But video obtained by NBC News of what witnesses say is the impact site shows a crater in an open road, no depot nearby. At the UN Security Council, Ambassador Nikki Haley made an emotional address. Look at those pictures. How many more children have to die before Russia cares? So will the president respond with military action? He left open that possibility. I'm not saying I'm doing anything one way or the other. But there are risks, like Syrian air defenses and possible Russian resistance. President Trump, who came to office with a promise of America first, now seems like he wants to be more involved in world affairs. He's been called an isolationist. He didn't sound like one today. So King Abdullah of Jordan was in, was in town in Washington, D.C., and they had a joint press conference and some questions were asked of Donald Trump about what took place in Syria. Keep in mind, this is a day after he blamed Obama for what took place with the chemical weapons attack. He blamed Obama for a guy who made fun of Obama and the Republicans who blame Obama all the time for or make fun of him for, for talking about George W. Bush's economy being saddled with that for, for four to eight years. Donald Trump sure is making it a habit to talk about how he inherited such this or he inherited that from Barack Obama. Well, he also tweeted September 5th, 2013, and said, the only reason President Obama wants to attack Syria is to save face over his very dumb red line statement. Do not attack Syria. Fix USA. Ugh. Well, here's one thing, and this... this this is you're going to hear some very uncharacteristic praise from me about something that Donald Trump said. Well, I think the Obama administration had a great opportunity to solve this crisis a long time ago when he said the red line in the sand. And when he didn't cross that line after making the threat, I think that set us back a long ways, not only in Syria, but in many other parts of the world, because it was a blank threat. I think it was something that was not one of our better days as a country. So I do feel that, Julie. I feel it very strongly. So he's criticizing Barack Obama for something that he encouraged him not to do back in 2013. However, the sum and substance of what Donald Trump just said is accurate. You can't have a president, Barack Obama in this case, say, look, fucker. If you do this one thing one more time, I'm drawing a red line in the sand. That's what Obama said. Bashar al-Assad crossed the line. He attacked his people with chemical weapons. And nothing happened. That cannot be allowed to happen. You cannot not follow through as president of the United States, especially in a military context. So Donald Trump's he's half right here. But he's also now pledging to get involved that it's an atrocity that cannot stand, it will not stand. It always strikes me the difference between Donald Trump who's looking down reading the prepared statement and Donald Trump 
the fucking 70-year-old dumb guy who's speaking extemporaneously. And just the difference in the tone and quality of what's said. I now have responsibility, and I will have that responsibility and carry it very proudly. Uh, It crossed a lot of lines for me. When you kill innocent children, innocent babies, babies, little babies, with a chemical gas that is so lethal, people were shocked to hear what gas it was. That crosses many, many lines beyond the red line, many, many lines. And I will tell you, that attack on children yesterday had a big impact on me. Big impact. That was a horrible, horrible thing. And I've been watching it and seeing it, and it doesn't get any worse than that. And I have that flexibility. And it's very, very possible. And I will tell you, it's already happened, that my attitude toward Syria and Assad has changed very much. His attitude has changed. This time. What's odd about that is we don't have any new information about Bashar al-Assad. He's always been the same terrible person that he is today. He has gassed his people on multiple occasions. This wasn't the first time. Donald Trump has been sidled up to Putin all this Mm -hmm. time who is a very close ally of Assad. Well, again, I wish that someone would ask him a question about this because he said that Bashar al-Assad is stronger than Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Yes. He said he's strong. This man who does this to his own people is strong. Stronger than President Obama, Hillary Clinton. And smarter. So now, now things have gone too far. Now he's taken it too far. Donald Trump equates brutalistic tactics with strength. Which is terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Being brutal isn't strong. It's fucking maniacal. There's a difference between the two. A distinction that he cannot draw. Right. So... Well, it's because he's never been a tough guy. Well, that's exactly... Well, yes. So he... Now you're psychoanalyzing. He admires the tough guys. Alan Francis would not be happy right now. But here's what's (laughs) happening, and I have a theory. I can't argue with that. I have a theory of what's happening here. Donald Trump's ratings, approval ratings, and, you know, he is very, very focused on the ratings. They are even now at an even lower rate than they were yesterday. Ron, um, the president also woke up to this, not only international crises um, on multiple fronts. You've all got, also got the president, and this is, your, this is your strong suit, with a 35% approval rating, according to Quinnipiac. That's lower than yeah. Obama's worst approval rating. What do you see years. driving that right now? Well, first, yeah, it is, it is not only lower than Obama's at any point. It is significantly lower than any new president at this point in their presidency. I mean, no one has even been close to uh, this level. Look, he, he's got he's got a couple problems here. I mean, I think it is largely at this point about his personal characteristics, his fitness for the job more than it is about the agenda. Yes, the health care bill 
was very unpopular, but I think you had a lot of voters who were ambivalent to begin with, who voted for him despite doubts about his temperament and qualifications. Uh, in the exit poll, somewhere between a fifth and a quarter of his voters said they weren't sure he was up to the job. I think the way he has behaved as president has done more to compound than resolve that those doubts. And I would point to just two other things in that poll. One is they've got an intensity mismatch. The groups that should be for him are showing some cracking, and you're seeing intense disapproval among the groups on the other side. For example, his approval rate among Republicans is significantly lower now than his disapproval rating among Democrats. And the other thing I would point out yeah. is that, you know, we've talked about this before, Kate, in 2020, for the first time ever, millennials will be the largest generation of eligible voters in the electorate. And his approval rating among millennials is down to about 21 percent, 21 percent, 22 percent say they share his values, 80 percent say they disapprove of his performance on the environment. And an interesting kind of linking back to our conversation about Ivanka Trump, she engineered the meeting with Al Gore, didn't really seem to go anywhere with them uh, now moving to repeal both of the centerpieces of President Obama's plan to combat climate change. This is an issue for Republicans. Even if you can have a short-term mm -hmm. success, Donald Trump is defining the party in the way that is creating long-term problems, what will soon be the largest generation of voters in the electorate. And that's what's happening right now. He, he mentioned that baby boomers are dying off at the same moment that, that, that millennials are coming of age. And it's this convergence of a downturn in population and an ascension in age. You imagine a line going down, a line going up, kind of crossing in the middle. That's what's happening. So in 2020, when he's up for re-election, it's going to be a massive swath of millennials who just don't fucking like this guy. Mm -hmm. And Donald Trump is uniquely, keenly aware of this. If any stat that you can think about that Donald Trump would be uh, paying attention to, it is this one. He knows when television ratings are good where he's related, and he knows when his approval rating is good. And I think that you that we can see, we can look forward to, or not looking forward to it, but it's going to happen, I predict some kind of eminent military action somewhere as a measure to boost his popularity. Because when you, when you deploy the military and you act with strength and determination using the American military, you seem presidential. Yeah, he wanted a rollout of the, <laughs> the tanks and all right. that for his inauguration. So. Well, speaking of that, because that's a very North Korea move, there's shit going down with North Korea right now. And rather than kind of kick the, the can down the road in silence, strategic silence, I think they called it during the Obama administration, he's just being a fucking maniac about Kim Jong-un and telling China, look, if we're going to do it with or without you. We'd like your help. But if not, fuck you. We're going to deal with North Korea alone. We're following reaction tonight to a stunning new interview President Trump just gave on North Korea threatening to deal with the North Korean nuclear threat with or without the help of China. Now, earlier today, the president told the Financial Times, quote, well, if China is not going to solve North Korea, we will. And this is tough talk coming just days before Trump hosts Chinese President Xi Jinping for his Florida resort, and it'll be their first face-to-face -face meeting. Let's bring in CNN Global Affairs correspondent Elise Labatt, who's on assignment in Jerusalem. Elise, thanks for making time for us. How does this interview with the Financial Times set the table, so to speak, for these important talks? Is this as big of a deal as it seems? 
Well, Anna, you know that President Trump is a real tough talker, and I think this is kind of his opening gambit. This is kind of similar, if you will, to what Secretary of State Rex Tillerson did on the road on the eve of his meeting with President Xi in Beijing from South Korea. He was talking about that North Korea policy of the last 20 years, what uh, we've called strategic patience, wasn't working. And so I think President Trump is sending a signal to the Chinese that the U.S. wants China to use its considerable leverage on North Korea. And if it doesn't, the U.S., as he said, will go it alone. Now, what could that mean? It could obviously mean a preemptive strike. It could mean some kind of covert action, such as um, a cyber action. But it could also mean more sanctions. And what we're talking about is really what they call secondary sanctions, which are sanctions on Chinese companies. And the Chinese know this very well. Chinese companies that are doing business with North Korea. And certainly that was a message that Secretary Tillerson warned the Chinese about when he was there. And so I think President Trump in this interview is saying there's a lot of pressure we could put on China to make sure that they're playing ball, Anna. So you're going to see a lot of bluster coming out of Donald Trump in the next few weeks to try, in my opinion, to combat this low approval rating in the only way that he really knows how or really can. Because everything else he does is in direct opposition to the good, the, the, the well-being of, of the American citizenry who make up his bad approval rating. We'll, we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. But we'll see. Part of maybe his, his new PR campaign to put himself back on top is removing Steve Bannon from the Principals Committee of the National Security Council. This happened this morning, and it, for one, it took me by surprise. Jeff, let me bring you in on this. This has to do with Steve Bannon, the, White, the president's chief strategist. What's happening? Indeed, the president, uh, we are told at this hour, has removed Steve Bannon, of course, his chief strategist, from the Principals Committee of the National Security Council. Uh, this is a, uh, something that's just developing right now, something that is incredibly interesting, Kate, because as you'll remember, when this administration was forming its government, the decision to put Steve Bannon, a political strategist, on the Principals Committee of the National Security Council was uh, heavily scrutinized and criticized from Republicans and Democrats alike, but mainly Republicans here, they're saying, you know, it was a, a very unusual moment for a political strategist to be on that principles committee of the National Security Council. And what that means is that is the same uh, uh, seat. He essentially had the same seat at the table as the chairman of the right. Joint Chiefs, the Secretary of Defense, the Secretary of State. But now we are being told that there is a readjustment of this thinking. And it is largely because the new National Security Advisor, uh, General um, McMaster, is now in charge of this. And the uh, you know, General Flynn, of course, who been, we've been talking so much about in recent days involving the Russia investigation, uh, he is, of course, no longer here. So removing Steve Bannon from the Principals Committee is another step towards sort of bringing uh, more structure, uh, sort of a traditional structure, if you will, to the National Security Council. Uh, it is being uh, explained to us by one administration official saying that this is something that Steve Bannon wanted, that he was there to sort of no. keep an eye on Flynn. Uh, but I'm also told by another Republican close to this White House who said, don't necessarily 
believe that, that this is, there is a power struggle, as there always is, going on inside the West Wing, inside this White House. This is likely part of that as well here. And there is a sense, bringing on Jared Kushner, Ivanka Trump, of course, that they uh, are trying to sort of return to some uh, more of a traditional structure here. So having Steve Bannon not on that principles committee uh, is certainly important. Jeff, I'm going to um, cut you off to take you sure. just to the building right behind right. you. We have One, that's good news. Getting Steve Bannon off of the, the National Security Council that's a good thing. Of course. We don't need, I mean, it's a bummer that he's retaining his security clearance because that, that's unnecessary for a man in his position. But it's a good thing to get him the fuck out of there. A couple things don't make sense to me, though. It may have r rang a bell in your ear, too, that he said that he was there to keep an eye on Flynn. Mm -hmm. Well, why the fuck would you appoint Mike Flynn to be National Security Advisor to the President of the United States if he needed someone to keep an eye on him. Right. That's a bullshit answer. Yeah. Completely bogus. What I think is happening here is they've got a guy, Lieutenant General McMaster's in there, who's a no-shit guy. <laughs> and he's kind of putting his foot down. Because mm -hmm. they also moved KT McFarland out of there, too, she got some ambassadorship to like Singapore or something, and she was a problem. She was a Fox News uh, commentator, and they gave her a job. Mm -hmm. But now she's off in a less <laughs> damage, potentially damaging situation off in like Singapore. Yeah, so some improvements. Yeah, for sure. So they also mentioned that there there are some up and comers in the administration, notably. Ivanka Trump and her husband, Jared Kushner. Now, their their ethics situation is still a fucking mess. And they did some reporting on the paperwork that they filed, and they could be worth $700 million. The finances of the president's closest aides, including his daughter, have just been revealed in the White House disclosure documents. We're now learning that Ivanka Trump and her husband, Jared Kushner, combined, their worth could exceed $700 million. Now, the couple collected about $195 million in income. Uh, this is according to a new financial snapshot of about 180 of the men and women serving in the Donald Trump White House. Uh, before administration, counsel advised them to resign from various postings, divest uh, certain holdings, or recuse themselves from future decisions. CNN Politics producer Dan Merica is with us this morning. Dan, good morning to you. Morning. So let's start with uh, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner. I mean, they are not the only wealthy aides, but uh, we are learning a lot about their holdings as well as, as the other aides there in the White House. And there are a lot of millionaires around the president. Yeah, the, the, the form somewhat you know, confirmed what we already thought and knew about this White House is there are a lot of wealthy people around Donald Trump. You remember he campaigned against people who, and, and Goldman Sachs and investment banks, but it's worth noting a lot of those people have come to the White House, come to his administration. You have people like Gary Cohn, his top economic advisor, made $75 million last year. Dina Powell, who was a top National Security Council advisor, made uh, over $4 million last year. Three, of, three million of which was in a, a cash bonus. But by far the most interesting is what Jared Kushner and by marriage Ivanka Trump 
uh, what they're worth and what they made. The $700 million is a huge figure, but if you dig down into those numbers, you see where that money came from and what must have been a very complicated process to divest himself from all of these holdings. Now, the biggest concern with the Trump administration has been the ability for aides and the president himself to benefit their businesses and then their bottom line through the presidency. You know, you've seen Donald Trump for the last eight weekends go to properties with his name on it, go to golf courses, go to his hotels. And now, obviously, he could, he's at the president. He can do go where he wants. But by going to those properties, he's, you know, giving them publicity that many places would, would die for. Uh, and and that, that, in turn, benefits his bottom line. The questions about Kushner and, and now Ivanka Trump, who has become an informal advisor or an official advisor, a government yeah. employee, is will she be able to do that as well? And how are her holdings tied to her husband's? That's the question. There was $700 million. She's not taking a salary either as Jared Kushner. Apparently, Trump is, but he's donating it. Mm-hmm. You know, George Washington tried or... Uh, thought about not taking a salary when the union was founded and he decided against it he 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 was he was forward looking enough that he knew that it would set a precedent that only very wealthy people would run for president because only very wealthy people could afford right to be president and not be paid Mm -hmm. so he decided against his better judgment to take the money he did not need it. He was exceedingly wealthy. But he did it because of, of the, the precedent. Yeah. Donald Trump, completely unaware of that, <laughs> is trying to not take the money. Yeah. Uh, it's just bizarre. Well, he, he says he has to take a dollar, right? I don't know exactly what the, league, the law is. He's taking his salary. I think his claim is that he, before before he was elected, that he at least needed to keep a dollar. Right. But he wasn't going to take the rest of it. Ugh. So anyway, Ivanka Trump now does have a formal role in the White House as an advisor, even though during the campaign and during the transition, she said, nope, just going to be a daughter, everybody. Yeah, don't you love how often this happens, right? Rex Tillerson asked at his confirmation hearing, are you going to allow the press to travel with you? Because, oh, of course, that's so important to me. Vital, the free press. And now, Secretary nope. of State, no. No press. Not interested. Ivanka Trump, same thing. She said she laughed at the question. <laughs> no, I'm going to be a daughter. Yeah, well, that is not the case. Trump <laughs> is an officially a, a White House employee uh, this week. Uh, take a listen uh, to her, her dad uh, talking, talking about her new role. The Chancellor of Germany... Um, is going to uh, has asked Ivanka to go to Germany, and she'll be working on similar issues uh, with uh, Chancellor Merkel. What do you think? I mean, what's next? Uh, a wealthy young president hiring his 35-year-old brother with no legal experience as Attorney General? I mean, what's it coming to? The Kennedys. This is much ado about nothing. I mean, they're take, they're following the ethics rules. They're taking no salary. That's fine. Uh- I think it's interesting that we have a situation in which Ivanka Trump has holdings, including into the Trump Hotel. There, Jared Kushner has $700 million worth of holdings. The traditional thing to do here is to actually divest. Right. They refuse. Kushner has divested a lot, I think, according to the, the documents released on Friday. Ivanka has not. It's, he has not. She has not divested at all. He has not divested from a lot of assets, including buildings. 
you saw that there, he's not divested from a company that has tried to do business with the Chinese. Yeah. The president is meeting with this week. Who the president is meeting with this week. I think the issue here is it's odd to say you're going to have a campaign that drains the swamp when the president refuses to take the lines himself and his family refuses to take those lines. I think we need an investigation there. Because ultimately they feel like they're above it all. They're above the rules. They're above the, the, the standard set by previous administrations made up of noble men and women. And now Jared Kushner... I think this is what's what's causing a lot of the heartburn in the administration, in the executive branch, both State Department, defense, all across the board, people are bothered because of the growing role of Jared Kushner. Calming nerves in the Middle East, working back channels on Chinese relations, weighing in on infrastructure plans, and more. All that is on the desk of 36-year-old Jared Kushner, husband of Ivanka Trump and trusted advisor of his father-in-law, the president. And he's very good at politics. Indeed, Kushner appears to have the president's backing to weigh in on almost any domestic, international, political, or economic matter. And as he looks at various aspects of government, um, he works with different people in the White House. Um, that oversee different different parts of that portfolio. Kushner's virtually unprecedented influence for a White House aide is all the more startling considering his resume. The last place I thought I would be, I would be spending a lot of time in Brooklyn. Years ago, when he was speaking at business meetings like this, he was a real estate tycoon building upon his family's fortune. But he's also made costly mistakes. He bought this building in New York, for example, in 2007 for $1.8 billion. Then prices collapsed, and a proposed Chinese investment in the building recently brought screams from critics who saw a potential conflict of interest. As a man chasing foreign investments, he developed friends around the globe, but his Russian ties are under sharp scrutiny. And while Kushner has plenty of Muslim business contacts... I have a son-in-law who's Jewish, Jared, who's a great guy. The president wants his help with the Israeli-Palestinian dispute. Kushner is an Orthodox Jew with a long history of supporting Israel and a personal friend of the Israeli prime minister. Can I reveal, Jared, how long we've known you? <laughs> Well, he, he was never small. He was always big. But Kushner's lack of political experience is the real sticking point for many. When Kushner announced desires to make the federal bureaucracy more like a business, he said, Our hope is that we can achieve successes and efficiencies for our customers, who are the citizens. Critics pounced. Hold it a second. <laughs> We're not customers. We're citizens, which means we own the store. You work for us, buddy. And that's a fundamental disconnect of not just Donald Trump, but apparently Jared Kushner. Again, when you're raised as a billionaire brat, you don't have the outlook, the perspective because of your privilege. And he apparently didn't bother to take a fundamental civics lesson as a child, much like Donald Trump. Well, also, if you think about Donald Trump surrounding himself with his family all the time. It's difficult for them to be objective. Yeah. I mean, Ivanka, that's that's her dad. 
right? Sure. So she's been criticized because she hasn't come out and been vocal in her opposition to certain positions that he he holds. And she said that she criticizes him in private. Right. But how do we really know that, that Ivanka, Jared, any of these people that are his family... Don Jr. Yeah, are really willing to do that. They have these roles where they're handling business for this country, and they're also his family. So that's complicated. Look, it shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone that he is on board with nepotism. Here's a clip from 2006 of him and Larry King talking about that very thing. All right, your daughter Ivanka will be taking Caroline's place on The Apprentice. Correct. Nepotism. That's true. Why? I like nepotism. You know, if you can't take care of your kids, you know that better than I. Look Ted at your Turner beautiful was kid. a big fan of I like nepotism. nepotism. I think, nep- you know, a lot of people say, oh, nepotism. Usually these are people without children. But <laughs> I like nepotism. And I'll tell you what happened. is, And one of the reasons, I, I, as the expression goes, canned Carolyn, Ivanka went on. And she couldn't have when we first started The Apprentice because she was going to the Wharton School of Finance. She had all A's. She was a great student and everything else. But it's hard to say she's my advisor and she's not even in the business yet, right? So now she's been in the business for a year and a half and she's doing unbelievably well. And she won on The Apprentice and she did phenomenally as you know. And the ratings were very good and everything was very good. And I said, well, this is a good time for me to put Ivanka in to replace Carolyn. And she's beautiful and she's smart. Beautiful first, Brittany. And eh, as an aside, she's smart. Right. Disgusting. Well, we all know how he feels about his daughter. Well, you know, she weren't his daughter. Perhaps he'd be fucking her. Mm -hmm. Dating. Uh, Dating. Dating her. Dating. Going out for a milkshake. Yeah, that's right. Milkshake. That's what people (laughs) do who date. Yeah. Eh, They just hang out. Go get a soda. Have a little sody. A little sody pop. Yeah. (laughs) Tenuous times, folks. Tenuous times. Give a I little mean- ass out hug. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still listing things that happen when you're dating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little ass out hug. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, look, we'll, we're going to keep covering all of this and more. But let's wrap. Taking care of biz. Some high school students in southeastern Kansas. Kansas! This article was sent to me at least five times today. And people said, taking care of biz. Yeah, well, it's becoming a thing. So it was a very popular article. And it made people think of taking care of biz. Well, it was sent. I woke up to it this morning by someone who's from this town or very near it. I think they went to the high school there or maybe lived there at one time in their life. And uh, it's it's a pretty amazing story. So this principal was hired at this high school. Her name is Amy Robertson. She was hired on March 6th. The student journalists there started researching her, and they discovered some discrepancies in her education credentials. Yeah, things weren't adding up. Yeah, so one of the issues was they researched this private university where she claimed that she got her master's and doctorate degrees years ago. It was called Corlins University. All right. And the website didn't work. There was not a website (laughs) for it. (laughs) That would seem a little fishy. Yeah, not a good sign. So they found no evidence that it was an accredited university as well. So 
There were just some things that didn't quite add up, they said. The students began digging into a weeks-long investigation that would result in an article being published questioning the legitimacy of her degrees and her work as an education consultant. These are high, this is the high school newspaper. They are high school journalists. Yeah, so they published this on a Friday, and on a Tuesday, the principal resigned. <laughs> so the kids are taking care of biz. Yeah. But I also, listen, and this is rare because Kansas is such a fuck show, but Kansas gets a little shout out for taking care of biz too because they have a law in Kansas that protects even student journalists from retaliation. So this principal wasn't able to do anything. The superintendent was actually very supportive, but the school no one could fuck with these kids in the course of their duties working for the school paper. Well, everyone kept telling them to stop poking their nose where it doesn't belong. How did these adults not see what the fuck was going on here? Yeah. If they, uh, all you have to say is, hey, yeah, her school doesn't have a website. Huh? Well, that's <laughs> peculiar. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, also, what kind of research are the people who are making hiring decisions over there? Yes. They just let anyone with any it's degree Kansas, in man. any university come along yeah. and say, here you go. We're full circle. It's Kansas. It's Sam Brownback country. He has trickled down. He has trickled down in that state into a fucking hole. Yeah. So they found out that this this university, this Corlins University, had been portrayed in a number of articles as a diploma mill, a place where people can buy a degree, diploma, or certificate, and it is not accredited by the U.S. Department of Education. The Better Business Bureau's website for this school... <laughs> Quote, unquote. The physical address is unknown, and the school is not BBB accredited. Hmm. Yeah. It seems like an easy thing, an easy case to crack, you know? Yeah, well, it also seems like you should do just a little bit of research for someone who's <laughs> going to be working with kids. Just cursory research. Yeah, this is going to oh, be you, the principal of a school. You don't have a child molestation or rape uh, conviction? Ah, you're hired. I, what are they doing over there? I have no idea. I take it back. Fuck Kansas. I take it all back. You're flip-flopping all around right now, aren't you? Well, it's Kansas. Come on in. Teaching the kids now. Y'all Trump, baby. We got some Hillary bitches on here. Come on, baby. It never gets old. A very red state, Brittany Page. Yeah. And that's fine. But... These kids are taking care of biz because, absolutely, again, just like that little girl reporter that we talked about, what is her name? Mm, Orange Street News. Yeah, Orange Street News. Hildy. Hildy, that's right. Hildy Lysak or something. Oh, yeah. Very good. Yeah. She is another one where people told her to knock it off and go play with the dolls or whatever. And she's chasing down drug dealers. Yeah, I saw a video. It was <laughs> amazing. She's a little badass. So it's great when people don't listen to people trying to squash their dreams and take care of biz. Insert something motivational here. All right. Well, we're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Even when you disagree with the proclamations that we send down from on high. We have a good time. <laughs> 
up here in our ivory tower. Ivory tower. Knowing for sure what kind of things are funny <laughs> and for sure what kind of things are not. I am the arbiter of what is funny and what is not. So Facts. We love you guys. Listen, if you are a patron on Patreon and you haven't gone back in and adjusted your shit yet, go visit there. Uh, at the end of the week, we'll probably send another message out just as a reminder. So in the meantime, go check that out. And if you're not a patron yet, you're, you've been on the fence because we've been per episode. Well, we changed it. We're, we're, we're by the month now, as we've been talking about. So if you've been waiting to do it, you can go do it now. A dollar a month, $2 a month, $5 a month. Every little bit goes a long way. And we sure do appreciate it because we are driving toward that goal to do a third show per week. And for those that are at the reward tier where you are on the Google Hangout call, I will be sending out a reminder on Friday. Mm -hmm. And then we will have the Google Hangouts Friday, April 14th at 8 p.m. Los Angeles time and Saturday, April 15th at 10 a.m. Los Angeles time. On Friday, you'll be drinking... Well, we'll be drinking, and you cannot. That's fine. Uh, or you can. We'll be drinking with you regardless of what you're doing. Some people do other things on the call. Won't go into it. Bill O'Reilly will not be there, so you don't have that to worry about. <laughs> and on Saturday, we drink coffee with you guys, so it's All a great right. time. Whatever vibe you feel most comfortable with, come on that day. <laughs> Maybe you should have reworded that. Yeah, I should have. Don't come on that day. Bring Okay, I bring wasn't it. talking about people doing that kind of stuff on the call. I was talking about people getting everyone, toked on the call. Everyone thought you people were talking about that. People who are lit on All the call. All right. Listen, if you'd like to communicate with the show, 657-464-7609, of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt. She's an unfunny bitch just like you. You know, I... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>